got it? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, I shouldn't have wore a hat. There's a hard time with the headphones there. Yeah. It's you, all good. Get them situated. I think we're settled. Welcome back to the podcast. We're just these guys, you know. I'm Lance. And I'm Mike. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Okay, before we begin, we're going to give the listeners a treat. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and we are going to fill our mug with our coffee simultaneously. You're going to drink out of a mug? I'm, I always drink out of a mug. What? What? Okay, we one, talked about this already. Two, three. Stereo. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the theme music. <laughs> now, see, if you Ooh, actually that. paid attention in here mm. or paid attention when you say you watch the YouTube videos, you will notice <laughs> I am always drinking out of the white mug. 90% of the time, I'm drinking out of the white mug. But you're right, throughout the day at, at the office, I do drink out of a plastic cup. Tupperware. But for the purposes of it a visual you. for our audience, I right. do choose to utilize the white I, ceramic. I knew you had one here. Breakable. But see, that shows you how we tend to just um, not ignore, but not notice just the norm. I have noticed you kept drinking out of a regular coffee mug. It's It's a psychological trick we get something in our mind that's what we see mm-hmm. regardless of what's actually in front of us did, yeah have you checked out that new show on nbc irrational nope he did a little stunt to to demonstrate something uh he, he's a he's a psychologist mm-hmm. who's a professor at a university and then he he consults with the police and the fbi and there was a something that occurred that nobody saw and to illustrate the the bias of attention he put together a video of uh, like five people in a yellow shirt, five people in a red shirt, and he had them on a basketball court. (laughs) Sorry. Passing the ball back and forth to each other, and then he showed the video to somebody and said, now I want you to watch and count every time somebody in a yellow shirt passes the ball. And they're like, okay. So they sat there and counted, and at the end of the 30, 60-second video, they said 11. Said, okay, did you see the grizzly bear? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. And then they watched the video the second time, and <laughs> a grizzly bear walks across the screen. Yep. But you don't see it because you're attending to something else. Mm-hmm. So it's an mm-hmm. artifact of why eyewitnesses make the poor, poorest evidence mm-hmm. there ever is. Yeah, I bet. It's got to be true. So I wanted to share something real quick. I know you got a few thoughts here that you're going to share. Right. <laughs> Gotta expand that vocabulary there. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're, you're going to share some thoughts you want to share. Well, this feeds right into, you know, I come in here a lot of times and I think to myself, do I really want to share that? <laughs> like, is that actually something? So I'll start to talk and I'm still trying to make the decision. <laughs> so my mouth slows down because <laughs> my brain is still battling. Did I say that out loud or did I think it? Do I really want to tell this story? But I feel like I need to tell this story because I'm hoping that it'll reveal that maybe I'm not alone (laughs) and and that you'll have some kind of a positive. (laughs) 
<laughs> Help me out here. Helpful man. something, because, dude, obviously I need it. So this this just happened yesterday. And so I've I, this is me taking something that I've dealt with, and I know a lot of us deal with, but I just took it to another level. I was driving home, had been doing some painting, and yes, I was tired. I was worn out. Right. But I'm driving home, and I pull into the driveway, and I realize that the Malibu was gone, and Dawn, working from home, had Coco, our granddaughter, because she watches her. She works from home and watches Coco. She's amazing. Multi-talented. Yeah, but I couldn't figure out why she would have to leave. She rarely leaves. So I'm sitting here thinking, is it an emergency? Is it what's going on here? And so I got uh, on the phone, was going to call her. I could have just walked in the house, but I just went ahead because I thought, I'm going to call her real quick and see where she's at. So I call her up and she goes, yes. And I said, where are you? (laughs) And she said, working? I said, at at home? She said, yes. And I said, where's the Malibu? (laughs) And she said, dude, I was sitting in the Malibu. (laughs) I got on the phone through the speakers in the Malibu. Oh, And she's like, dude. <laughs> and immediately, I, I was I had every emotion running through my body. I was scared. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? Like I made it all the way to where's the Malibu? <laughs> I didn't catch it. I brought this issue up with my psychologist, and he laughed hysterically at me. Yeah, well, <laughs> listen, so we either got something really serious going on, or <laughs> it's just, once again, the uh, the notion of just being distracted mentally by the stresses of life or something. Yes, that's what it is. When we're stressed, we're distracted, and so it's, it's on the continuum of, of a... A dissociative scale mm-hmm. where we kind of daydream on the lower end of the scale where we're sitting there in the classroom staring at the teacher but our mind is elsewhere we're daydreaming and we're not hearing what's going on in front of us and you know bueller bueller right. you know right. we finally bring our attention back to what's in front of us another area where you see this phenomenon just a little more is when you're you leave and you're driving home the same drive you make every single day and you pull into the driveway and it clicks you don't remember the drive home Mm. you were just kind of on autopilot the whole way yep and your mind was elsewhere yeah and that's where you and i get into a lot of trouble because we get home with the grocery list in our hand and we didn't stop by dylan's on the way Mm -hmm. "Mm, damn it but we were on mental autopilot so we're not Focusing on what's around us, sure, we're, we're operating um, through an automaticity of things. And long day painting, probably a lot of stress, things going on, things on your mind. You get in, you start driving home, 
well, how many times do you make that trip in your truck? Right. And, and so as you pull into the driveway, your mindset of being at work, painting, stinky, got crap on your shoes, you're pulling up and in your mind, you're in the truck Mm -hmm. because sitting inside the car, you don't see it. (laughs) (laughs) This is my argument against, you know, me going to buy a new sports car because Mm -hmm. I'm inside the car. I don't see it. Right. You know, everybody else sees the cool car. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying a car for everybody else to look at. <laughs> right. I'm inside of it, so I don't see the car. So you're you're driving home, you're just on autopilot, and when you look up, there's no Malibu in the driveway. And as you come back to reality in this moment, that's the first thought is where's the Malibu because you so often are so used to taking the truck. <laughs> Yeah, and the only concerning part for me was that it literally went as far as it did. <laughs> that I wasn't sitting there even di- even dialing the phone through the it's the only vehicle we have that the phone will go through the car. Sure. And so I'm speaking through the speaker system in the car and I'm still not there. <laughs> I'm still thinking where's the Malibu? Where are you? And it was also a focus on being concerned about where she, where is she? Where is she with Coco? Where's the car seat? Well, and that's that's the added distraction. The stress rises up when, when we get stressed and anxious. We get a tunnel vision. Sure, and literally a <laughs> mental tunnel vision. Yeah, our, yeah. our mind starts narrowing, and so we cannot think about things outside that tunnel vision, such as the grocery list or options as to me what may be going on here. Yeah. So you pull up no Malibu immediately the worrisome thought comes to your mind what's going on is somebody injured the stress comes in the tunnel vision tightens in on that worrisome thought Mm -hmm. fight or flight starts kicking in and so immediately without getting out of the car without going inside immediately check in on my wife make sure she's okay so you know uh don this was a very loving thing that your husband just went through if you ever doubted his love for you (laughs) This is evidence of it, that he was so worried about you. He was so focused on your safety and health that he completely lost sight of where he was even at. I'm curious if if I had gone ahead and gotten out of the Malibu and gone in the house, if I would have recognized that I got out of the Malibu. <laughs> and once I got out and I could look at it, I'm curious to know if I'd have been and then been able to put it together. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. It it's a it's an extension of this is a pretty dramatic example of it, but it's an extension of that whole concept where you, you know, oh yeah. You're talking to somebody on the phone and they say, "Can you do that?" and you're like, "Let me check my calendar." Mm-hmm. And you're telling them, I, "I can't find my phone. Give me a second while I look at my phone so mm-hmm. I can look at my calendar." Mm-hmm. While you're on your phone. Oh yeah. Um it's just Yeah, a, see, I've done that. Right. Many, many times. This just felt like a whole nother level. First time I'd ever done literally that where I'm sitting there. That's how stressed and tired um, you just were and distracted. You know, I've seen people like go in in the evening and like be exhausted and go to bed and wake up an hour later and say, wow, I can't believe I slept all night. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you talking about? You know, it's been an hour. Like, but the sun. Like, it's 
so the sun setting looks like the sunrise, and they're sure. just kind of disoriented. Yep, yep. I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> I've done all these. <laughs> Woke up and started getting ready for work. You know, like getting ready to get in the shower and doing all that. And it's evening still. <laughs> I just think it's still dark out. Yeah, it's crazy. I, but I, I suspect I'm not the only one. No, no, no. Um, Listening, even in, in, you know, this group, I'm probably not the only one. <laughs> no, Lance, I know you do Hopefully. Too. <laughs> I'm trying to identify with somebody other than you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got it all figured out. <sighs> yeah. No, that's, I, I do Human that nature kind of stuff all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. The mind is a curious thing. Yes, it is. Mm. Um, and you mentioned I had some things. I, I wrote down some notes, uh, talking points. Mm-hmm. Mm. Just uh, got in a, a notification yesterday. We picked up a new listener, viewer, actually, on the YouTube channel uh-huh. from Australia. Australia. From huh? Australia. Wow. Hello, uh, mate. It's uh, Liz is me, L-Y-S. Liz is me. And she has a, a channel. It's some cooking recipes and some, some wisdom, uh, just sharing wisdom and cooking and Wow. So a shout out to Australia. Yeah. Liz is me. Liz is me. That's so cool. Go to her channel, give her a give her a like, give her a thumbs up, whatever it is. What is it again? Liz L Y S is me. I S M E. Liz is me. Liz is me. Three separate words. <laughs> Three separate words. <laughs> that helps. Space. Liz, space is space. Me. Got it. There, you got it now. And she's got a podcast? She has a YouTube channel. Yep. With uh, some cooking recipes and some walks in nature and wisdom and uh, serenity kind of stuff on it. Yeah, cool. So really nice. Awesome. Uh, So again, shout out to Australia. Maybe, Maybe Liz will introduce our channel to people down there and there will be this firestorm and they'll want us to come down for a book signing and to appear at a local barbie and man looks like i better clear my calendar you better that'd be awesome good time down under Uh, another thing i wanted to kind of point out this is really a local issue that nobody knows about well, then why isn't it an issue? But you're about to see. <laughs> but I suspect that it is not just a local issue that nobody knows about. Okay. Um, but I had occasion for somebody uh, to need to go to the hospital for a mental health crisis mm-hmm. last week. Mm-hmm. And the here in, in Wichita, the routine is you go to St. Joe's. Go to assessment. There they assess you, and if they determine that um, you're not safe to leave, then they check you in and move you up to, I believe, the sixth floor. And there you get, you know, certain amount of treatment and stabilization and quality care, and then you leave. Um, 
there's a slight alternative to that, that there are other behavioral health facilities in the community. And so they may determine you're more appropriate to be at a different facility, depending on what your issues are. Right. And then there is a, a completely separate entity up in Newton, Prairie View. They have their own inpatient unit in which you can, you know, if you're feeling unsafe or unwell, you can go there and get assessed and then get checked in. These are for mental health, not substance abuse that I'm talking about. So the individual I know went to St. Joe's and then I got a text. They were number 35 in line. Goodness. And there were people on gurneys in the hallway. One had been on a gurney in the hallway for seven days. There was no room. There was no room at St. Joe's. There were no room at the satellite facilities. No room at the inn. People with mental health crises were showing up to assessment and just sitting, backlog, just nowhere to go, in hallways, sitting in chairs. And they have to stay there because they have been assessed to where they're not, it's not safe for them to leave. Correct. Good grief. And, you know, you can't get mad at, St. Joe's, um, mm-hmm. they're doing the best they can and they have facilities and they have rooms and they have beds. And then there are these other facilities that, that kind of support off of that, that feed into it. And then there's even the, uh, the private alternative up in, in Prairie View. So they went through all of that. They got placed to a satellite facility that was very nice. Um, not going to give them a shout out because they haven't had their accreditation yet. So I don't want people steamrolling them mm-hmm. um but this week or the next week uh the individual said i'm thinking i may need to go back is there any way i can go back to where i was at the, the satellite unit so i called the satellite unit and said hey you know this person that was in there the week before can they just come back and be direct admitted back into your unit or do they got to go through the, the uh, assessment uh, process that they originally went through? And there are circumstances where a physician, if it's their prerogative, if they know the client, if they're you know, familiar with everything, they can direct admit, uh, especially on these satellite units. And they said, we would love to, but we're full. <gasps> they will have to go back through St. Joe's. Call St. Joe's. Yeah, we're backlogged. So this time I called Prairie View and said, hey, do you have any you know, beds opening? I got somebody. And they said, we have one right now. So I turned around, told the person about Prairie View, and then I got a text 30 minutes later. Between the time you spoke to them and the time I called, they filled up. Mm. Wow. So there is apparently a mental health crisis mm-hmm. in in town, in the area. Because uh, this uh, this area, I think Wichita is 400,000, and then with the greater community, we're up to a million or so. Mm-hmm. Um, when you count the, the suburbs and the towns kind of adjacent to Wichita. Yep. And there is uh, a mental health crisis going on. 
Wow. And I'm sure this is not isolated. That, and that's why I, I brought it up, because if this is happening here, mm-hmm. you know, Kansas City, Oklahoma City, Lincoln, Nebraska, you know, Chicago, mm-hmm. they have to, you know, they can't be all peaches and creams. It seems like the, the bad stuff always kind of lands in middle America last. Mm-hmm. COVID, you know, didn't, didn't hit Wichita until eight months, nine months later, really in any kind of heavy format uh, after the first outbreak. Everything seems to, you know, a drug will appear in West Virginia, <laughs> and then a year later it's it's running rampant in Wichita. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so Wichita is experiencing a mental health crisis right now, which if you are sitting out there listening to this and you don't have a problem, I'm sure you know somebody who does, and that would be all the more reason to grab the book, get them a copy of it. It's, it's not the save all to end all, mm-hmm. but it provides uh, building blocks so that they can create stability and, and begin to process things like PTSD. The, these are the, the building blocks. These are the tools somebody needs if they're traumatized, if they're needing to process PTSD, if they've been in a domestic violence relationship. How do you process all that information, that experience? How do you come out the other side and create mental health, having been through a bit of a nightmare of a scenario? These are the skill sets you need to be able to properly process what went on in the past. And Mm -hmm. I'm always a proponent of changing how you think um, because there's truth in humor. Mm -hmm. So crazy, the definition of crazy is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Right. And as this one crackhead put to me one time brilliantly, nothing changes if nothing changes. Mm -hmm. If you go through a scenario that was very difficult for you, whether it was a divorce or a trauma or domestic violence relationship, and then you try to process what you just went through, thinking in the same way that you were thinking back then, Mm -hmm it's going to be extremely difficult to have a positive recovery because your thinking has not changed. How you think is still the same as how you thought in it and how you thought before it. So the, the key to processing bad things is first learning how to process information correctly. Then you can turn to the past and process the past in an effective, healthy way so as to disconnect from that scenario emotionally and then provide opportunities for yourself to grow from it mm. and and create a bigger, better future for yourself and your children, yada, yada. But it is important to have these fundamental skills in place, learning to think differently. Otherwise, you're, you know, you're just swimming in the same swimming pool that you've been swimming in this whole time. Yep. yep. So you know, get the book, give it to somebody who's struggling, give it to somebody going through some sort of substance abuse recovery program and whether that's Wichita or, or elsewhere, um, you know, take a look and, and check in on people, see how they're really doing. Because like I said, you drive around Wichita, you would never know. This is not in the news. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, church, how you doing? Fine. I'm great. Yeah. Life's wonderful. You God know. is good. God's good. Mm-hmm. But underneath all the, the the Facebook postings underneath all the, the fake 
uh, smiles that we throw out to everybody, there are uh, a very large number of people out there hurting right now. And I, I think it's only going to get worse mm-hmm. as the economy continues to worsen. Student loans are now having to be repaid, so those people are going to struggle financially. It's, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a bigger financial crisis headed our direction, and that is going to put so much stress and pressure on people, families, relationships. Um, people's mental health is going to struggle more and if we're already over capacity in our beds, you know, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, clearly we're... Tent city out in front of St. Joe's. Right. We're drastically, we're desperately under-resourced on facility options. And, you know, obviously it starts with finances, getting things approved for mental health, funding, and my yes, obviously there's uh, you know needs for those services. That's you know why people are in the hallways. Um, my cry here is for the listener, for mm-hmm. you as the pastor, for mm-hmm. you know the the grandparents out there, for the parents out there to look within their family and see who's vulnerable. And now, before they need the hospital, sure have that difficult conversation with them and help them get pointed in the right direction so that they start the healing, um, start dealing with things more effectively. And then the hospital becomes less and less necessary. Yeah. You bet. Yeah. Do some preventative type stuff. That is definitely uh, challenging to have those critical conversations. To bring that up, you feel like you're sometimes almost invading their privacy. And but liter- people people are desperately needing it. When I was training to be a psychologist, um, you know, the, when you do an intake mm-hmm. first, meet somebody. There's a series of questions on the intake form that you have to ask. You know, name, age, etc. Then you start getting into symptoms. And one of the questions that is on that piece of paper that I remember just being so uncomfortable asking, and, and I would even do the whole stupid thing of minimizing it. I, I know this probably isn't you, but it's on the paper here. I need to ask it anyway, right. which probably sent all sorts of signals to the other person of how to answer this question. If Lance isn't comfortable asking it, then maybe I shouldn't be answering it. But uh, uh, are you suicidal? Have you thought about killing yourself? Hmm. I've been thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Do you have uh, a plan? Yeah. Do you have intention? What is it that would make that option rise up to the forefront and you would start considering doing it? Those questions right there, extremely uncomfortable when you're first asking them, but I guarantee you if they are thinking about it, they are so thankful you asked. Mm-hmm. because it's in their mind and they don't know what to do with it and they're ashamed and they're embarrassed and they're afraid just that I'm thinking it, that that means something. And so for somebody to you know, reach out and ask, put your hand on a shoulder and say, you doing okay? You know, I noticed lately you've been a little quiet. Mm-hmm. Notice lately you've been sleeping in a lot more. Notice lately you've been drinking a little bit more. What's, what's going on? I mean, talk to me. They, they appreciate that more than you would think. No, they make it, I'm fine, leave me alone. <laughs> but they appreciate 
you noticing and you reaching out. They're going through a struggle in their mind that they don't know how to deal with it. They're embarrassed. They're ashamed. Mm -hmm. And when you lovingly and supportively reach out and connect with them on that level, there may be that initial rejection. But I guarantee you they, they remember and they truly appreciate somebody noticing. And if they do end up, you know, coming back around and being comfortable coming, you know, out with it to somebody, it's probably going to be you because you were willing to yeah, kind of break you, that ice. It, it, you know, the world's not a 30-minute sitcom, so you're not going to walk up, put your hand on their shoulder, how are you, and mm-hmm. then have a 30-minute you know, in-depth conversation about their mental health struggle, but you're laying the groundwork at least Yeah, that when they're ready, they know who they can turn to and talk about it or get some help from. Yep. And, you know, 65% of people below the age of 30 report in surveys feeling lonely. Mm. And so even if they're not, you know, that critical mental health, suicidal kind of person, there's a 65% chance that anybody you're looking at is feeling isolated and lonely. And just... 65 reaching out and, and touching them and looking them in the eye and showing that you're interested and you care mm-hmm. can go such a long way to helping them. You know, I remember when I moved to Wichita, I even, I went to therapy with uh, Gloria Bell, she's a great psychologist. I don't know if she's retired yet or not, but mm-hmm. I walked in and I was like, I've been here two or three years. I, I can't make a friend. Mm. And, and that's, you know, something about this community with uh, the factory workers that kind of ebb and flow. There's this real cliquish nature to Wichita. Sure. That, again, you don't see it, you don't notice it, um, especially if you're from here. But what's the first question everybody asks anybody if you first meet them for the first time in this town? What high school did you go to? Yeah. <laughs> or where'd you grow up? <clears throat> that's the anchor. Yep. And if you, you know, what high school did you go? You know, Lance, what high school did you go to? Level Land? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm talking with an outsider. And they, you know, move on. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, okay. They don't know how to connect after that. And she said that, you know, she had the same thing. She wasn't from here. It took, it took her. She said, I made friends the first few years. She said, but it took me 10 years to make a best friend. Mm. And we don't see this phenomena happening and it's not just a Wichita phenomenon, but we don't see people out there struggling to make connections, to to meet people, to have relationships in their lives. Yeah. I hear that a lot more than you would think that, you know, I, I don't I don't have any friends. I don't have anybody to talk to. Uh, and so there's some game planning on how to build those connections. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's a. Uh, apparently a, a mental health crisis secretly brewing in this town that we're unaware of. And, and I, I think anything we can do on that front end mm-hmm. to make people feel warm, welcome, connected, get them skill sets that they can begin to utilize in their daily life, you know, then we can head off some of the, the overwhelming of the hospitals later. Yep. If you change your oil, you won't blow your engine. It's amazing how that works. Yeah, and really that's one at least of the big, big advantages of the church community when it's right. Right. We don't always get it right. Right. Most of the time we don't. Mm-hmm. But 
It's the community that you can experience. Sure. And you have to invest yourself in it. But it's there. The opportunity is there to be connected to something, to to be connected to others and to a bigger purpose. Uh, Where we often fall short is continuing to see it as that, as an opportunity to reach out to other people who are experiencing the same type of isolation, same type of loneliness, same type of just desire to belong sure, and to connect and to introduce it as that's the opportunity that you have here. And then figuring out how to come into that community with your unique perspective on life with all the different divisive issues that we have. That's one of the big things I believe that that has led us to this place is that everywhere you look, it's nothing but uh, people arguing in the media, especially, but social media as well, uh, it, television, whatever it is that you're, you're, you go out into the target and it's so crazy how often you are going to see somebody just out of their mind <laughs> mad <laughs> about the price is wrong or you know, <laughs> whatever they're returning something that, and they're just mad. We just have a, a culture right now that's just stressed and mad and probably doing things like sitting in a dang Malibu when <laughs> they don't even realize it. Wonder where their Malibu is. <laughs> well, where did I leave my car? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, I mean, this is huge. And the thing is, each and every one of us as individuals can do a little something about this. It was even shocking to me, um, you know, every time I, I read the numbers, uh, the the level of stress, the level of trauma that people around us, you know, uh, what, what I say earlier, 65% of people under the age of 30 report being lonely. Right. 25% of all women report having been sexually abused as children. Mm. And then, on as you go up from there, uh, I think it's thirty-seven uh, percent report some sort of sexual violence as uh, an adult. Wow! And then there's another, you know, ten percent you add on to that for sexual harassment, uh, those types of things. So, just walking into a room full of women, statistically speaking, there's a fifty percent chance they have one that somebody in that room, there's a 50% chance that person you're talking to has had something fairly traumatizing happen to them. Mm. Now you throw in things like auto accidents, divorces, everybody, everybody is broken. Mm -hmm. Everybody has something they're struggling with, they're hurting with, that they're keeping, you know, locked up inside of them that you don't see, you don't know. And, uh, that's the stuff that that bubbles out in in our society, and you know people are yelling about the price of the sheets at Target. They're not mad about the sheets, right? Exactly. It, you know, there's so much that they've got packed inside themselves that they're they're dealing with that um, we end up with hospitals overflowing. Yep. Hmm. Which is just. Crazy, because that's the first time I've ever heard that in the last twenty years. Because it was just, you know, an automatic, you know, ah, you know, why don't you go up there to St. Joe's and let them assess you and check you out? You know, maybe they keep you a couple of days, maybe they don't. You know, 
and people were kind of in and out of there, um, you know, like a revolving door at times, you would think. Mm-hmm. And you're like, why didn't you keep them? <laughs> why right. didn't you hang on to them? Oh, they're fine. So they're, we, we released them. Like, they're fine for a day. But that, it was that level of access that people, you know, could get in if they needed to. And, and, and the hospital was comfortable releasing them or keeping them. It was, but now, I mean, good night. And you think about the stress that that you would puts not on. think going to the hospital you would get a number like you're at the DMV. Yeah, <laughs> here's Did, your ticket. Hang on to that. You're number thirty five. Wow. And just let that analogy kind of sink in. What kind of hope does that give a person who's oh sitting there gosh. hopeless? Yeah. Oof. Wow. And that just adds stress to the whole entire system. <clears throat> the people working there. The nurses, you know, everyone. So, yeah. Well, it certainly is uh, my opinion that these times like this are, are desperate. And so we need to desperately uh, seek the, the highest power that we can to, to bring some peace into this world. And then go and try to be a part of the peace. So true. Yeah. One of the things that frustrates me, just to get a little bit about on a high horse here, is uh, praying prayers that you can actually be a part of being the answer instead of just waiting for God to do everything. I think oftentimes we pray prayers and he's like, okay, I've given you everything that you need to go ahead and help that situation. <laughs> I've already answered it. And the answer is you. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, hopefully from today, that's what, that's what I'm taking away from it personally is, okay, so what can I do? How can I help? There's a famous pastor that you know I've listened to a lot, but he's very forward and, and frank about there are certain prayers God will not answer mm-hmm. because he's already answered them. Sure. And he's waiting on you. I've, I've given you the tools. I've given you the skills. I've given you the vision. I've given you the blessing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I told you, you go heal the sick. You go raise the dead. You go spread the word. I didn't say, you go out there and find somebody who needs it. Come back to me and tell me to go do it. Right. You. He's, he's given us a great commission mm-hmm. to go do things, and he's given us the power to do those things, and he's given us all of the blessings. Lord, take care of my finances. I've already blessed you. Go receive it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not going to do, he's not going to answer a prayer about something he's already done. And I think that's a bit what you're referring to is it's not our job to tell God to go down to downtown and, and help the homeless. Right. We are to go help that person. Yep. Brother, I'll pray for you. Yep. <laughs> that, powerful, ain't it? That and a quarter, get me a cup of coffee. <laughs> you know? Yep. Well, it says that if you see your brother in need, and all you simply do is say, hey, 
Be blessed. Hope you're going to do okay. And you do, and you do nothing about their need, then that's not what God is asking for. Man, you want to be blessed, and I I, I, I love it when I see this happen in people's lives. Mm-hmm. You want to be blessed. You want a, a joy filled day, three days, week, maybe. Mm-hmm. Do you do you want that out there? Go help somebody. Yep. That that's what I always hear when somebody interrupts their day listens to that quiet little voice in their own head and stops and goes, uh, maybe I ought to help this guy. And whether it's to pull over to help somebody with a flat tire, help some old lady with the groceries coming out of the grocery store, or actually give me an extra burger and fries and soda. And you go over to that homeless guy and you give him food. Yeah. They will walk away from that experience and talk about it on cloud nine for three days. They're just filled with joy and happiness and, and excitement having done that. You know, you, everybody's wanting to be happy. You want to be happy? Help somebody else. Mm. Then you'll you'll see true happiness. Yep. Couldn't agree more. That is a fact. I'm preaching in the choir here. Well, I certainly will be thinking about how I can, you know, that's the thing. It's easy to think about, okay, so who, who who's someone that can help? <laughs> and then we skip right over the one that we have the most control over mm-hmm. in as far as being able to input something positive. So into whatever situation it is. Uh, and you're right. It starts with our own families, really checking in. It starts yeah, with ourselves. True. You know, the, the old, you know, adage of, I'll, I'll share personal information. My mother sitting there at the kitchen table, smoking ashtray full of cigarettes, telling me not to smoke. Mm. How powerful a message is that? Right. And then, then I got to learn the phrase, do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never smoke. You're smoking. Do as I say, not as I do. But helping ourselves, then we can help our family, then we can help others. And, and that constant, you know, self-reflection, self-analysis, am I thinking correctly? Am I feeling the appropriate emotions for the situation? And if not, what is it that I'm thinking that's, but, you know, taking care of myself first, my physical health, am I eating right? Am I exercising? Am I, am I putting toxins into my body and my brain? Am I drinking? Am I smoking dope? Am I, you know, drinking energy drinks all day long? Mm-hmm. Am I taking care of myself now? Can I go help take care of somebody else that I already know? It's not a, I, mm, I just, I don't know how many help the homeless programs there are. There's more, there's a thousand people trying to help a hundred homeless. And I'm not knocking them doing it, but those thousand people never think to walk next door. Sure. To see how their their neighbor is doing, or that that old lady down the street checking in on her, see if she needs her lawn mowed, or somebody to run to the grocery store for. Her. But we'll we'll load up the church van and we'll get the hot dog stand out and we'll get the cameras out and we'll go downtown. And we'll cook for the homeless, and smile for the Facebook channel. But do you know your neighbor? Yeah, I mean, any idea what your neighbor's needs are? Yep. Yeah, I need, I need, 
I don't know my neighbors well enough. <laughs> oh, no. I'm, I'm convicting you. Mm-hmm. Standing somebody, over here convicted. Somebody just told me yesterday as they're walking out of my office and they said, hey, what? You need to stop doing therapy on mic on that podcast. <laughs> Listen, I'm cool with it as long as you don't start charging. Because <laughs> this is, it's good for me. I appreciate it. And this is a uh, symbiotic. You 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 challenge me. You encourage me. So we're, I'm getting something out of this. Hopefully you're getting something out of it. More importantly, hopefully people who are listening or watching are getting something out of it. Yep. Even if it's something like this. Best guitar pick ever. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I can't read it. He has to take off his glasses in order to be able to see, and he's confused. It's cut out. He's looking. What's it cut out of? Credit card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a. It's a. It's a great thing to do with a cut up credit card. And the Smart. The, the the thickness, the, the the stiffness, the the texture on the card. Yeah. Is, I don't have a handy a, a regular pick, but the the Roger told me to start using a. Uh, uh, mild picks. Okay. Um, that that was his, you know, wisdom. Medium. How do I? He's like, oh, I found using a lighter pick. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to play like Eddie Van Halen because I'm using a lighter pick, right? Yeah. That's all it took. That's all it took. Wow. But the the lighter picks, they have a smoother texture, and so they slip, and and I got greasy, sweaty fingers, so mm-hmm. they slip in my hand, and I. I bought an item that allows me to make a credit or make a pick out of anything. Mm. So it's like a hole punch. Oh yeah. But it's a guitar pick shape. Uh, I was impressed with how well you did with scissors on that. <laughs> so, so no, that's cool. A, um, perfect. And if you would like that, I can wipe the sweat off of it. You can try it out on your acoustic. I'll give it a go. And you're right. The, Whatever that is made out of, it mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be slickery. <laughs> Fling right down into the hole. Right. <laughs> cool. So thanks, man. Recycle your if you it's it's right over there in that bottom drawer. If you have some like Cut. remember the old Bank of America credit card and they had oh, your yeah. photo on it? Yep. So yeah, you, there you, you just go. got one of those, we'll just punch it out. <laughs> have your picture. There you go. So that's awesome. Well, I think we're winding down here. Anything else you want to add? or? Well, just do a checkup from the neck up. It'll be a good day to do that. Yes, sir. Weather's going to be perfect for it. Yep. Make some chili, sit down, do some self-reflection. Yep. And then at some point in time, just ask somebody how they're doing. Yeah. How are you doing? Four very important Words. And here's how you do it for those who are, are worried about doing it. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you step by step exactly how to do it, start to finish. And this is all you need to do to connect with your fellow man. But you walk up to somebody and you, you pause for just one second and look them in the eye. Mm-hmm. And if it's a, somebody of the same gender... Don't do this cross gender. <laughs> sure. 
reach over and put your hand on their shoulder while looking them in the eye and say, how you doing? Hmm. Hold that look, hold that shoulder for one second and then let go. And whatever they say, go from there. And if it's, I'm doing well, then just give them that nod, that look and say, okay, good. Yeah. And walk away or turn the conversation to something else. But that one second, that human connection, that human touch, one second look into the eye, that pause where our brains communicate with each other at Mm. a soulful level. Mm -hmm. And then you release it. Now they know. And you know they know. And they know that you know that they know. Yep. And all this communication just took place in that two to three second interchange right there. But they walk away from that going... He knows. He knows. Yeah. That's How you good. doing? <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's all you got to do. Yep. That's all you got to do. And that, that can make somebody's day just go a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. Even just the awareness for them that somebody recognizes. Somebody knows. Somebody sees me. That they're there. They see me for me. Yep. And they care. Because you're asking that question, you that's what you're saying. Because I pe- care. People will do it in a way that works again. You know, hey, how are you today? Mm-hmm. And, and then that shuts a person down. Yeah. But if you just take that slow one, it, it seems like forever, but it's only two to three seconds. You just walk up slowly, look them in the eye, put your hand on their shoulder, keep that eye, and say, "How are you doing?" Mm-hmm. Hold it for a second, and then let go. Either they're going to answer you at a fuller level or they're going to say, I'm good, but now they know you know. Right. And yep. the, the connection's been made. The seed has been planted. Yeah, you don't walk up to them and say, hey, I've, I've noticed you. <laughs> I, I, you look terrible. Yeah. Huh? How you doing? <laughs> you got allergies? Your yeah. eyes are all jacked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's really good. It's good. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in today. I hope you got something out of this. Mm -hmm. Um, We are just these guys. Make sure you give us a like and give us a follow. And if you are still watching this or still listening to this moment and you're down under, make sure you share us with your friends because um, we would like to be internationally famous. Uh, Well, yeah, I guess so. (laughs) I've never thought about that. We, we got Canada, cool. we got Kenya, we got Mombasa. We, Mombasa. We got England, we got Sweden. Yep. Um, it's now amazing. We just, now we got Australia. Yep. So. Amazing part of the internet. It reaches everywhere. Pretty cool. Well, we're just these guys and we'll see you next week. Have a great week.